Money Sense is brought to you by the Ellenbecker Investment Group, three-time recipient of the Better Business Bureau's Torch Award for Business Ethics and Integrity. The Ellenbecker Investment Group is the only Wisconsin investment company to receive this prestigious award more than once by providing exceptional planning and extraordinary service each and every day. Go to ellenbecker.com. Listen to Money Sun Saturdays at 2 p.m. and Sundays at noon. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Julie Ellenbecker, president for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. Ellenbecker Investment Group is located in Pewaukee, just east of Highway 164 and Capitol Drive in the Town Bank Building. We also have a location in the village of Whitefish Bay in the Equitable Bank Building right across the street from Winkies. And we are able to service clients in our Bonita Springs, Florida office, uh, particularly in January, February, March are our favorite months to service clients in Bonita Springs. And you can be sure to visit ellenbecker.com for more details or if you'd like to put a face with a voice or take a tour of any of our offices. My guest today is Sandra Geisler, and Sandra and I have uh, worked together for a very long time. Sandra is the director of our tax planning services at Ellenbecker Investment Group, and you know, for many of you who have sat down with advisors at Ellen Becker Investment Group or have done financial planning on your own, you recognize the importance of tax planning. Sometimes tax planning gets mixed up with tax preparation. And, you know, we, we always explain that preparation is just reporting to the IRS what has happened in the last year, whereas tax planning is actually our opportunity to affect change. And with so much volatility in the market and potentially some of the concerns around inflation and taxes and lower growth opportunity coming down the pipe, you know, it's really important to make sure that you're doing everything you can to manage your tax situation. And so incorporating the Ellen Becker Investment Group Tax Planning Division several years ago was was really a great step for us to help our clients increase the longevity of their assets. And so I'm excited to have Sandra with me today as a guest. I get to talk to her every day, which is wonderful, but you guys get to hear from her a couple times a year. So with that, we'll take a quick break. And when we return, I look forward to introducing you to Sandra. Welcome back to Money Sense. I'm Julie Ellenbecker, president for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. And before the break, started to introduce you anyway to Sandra Geisler. She is the director of our tax planning division at Ellen Becker Investment Group. She and I have worked together for several decades, although we both hate to admit that because <laughs> um, we don't want to show our age. But, uh, you know, we both really have incorporated the importance of tax planning into financial planning. And so tax preparation is one thing. We're going to talk a little bit about what happened last year and what we expect to happen this year. Uh, but the really good part of this show is going to come when we give you some planning ideas on how you can mitigate some of the tax responsibility and increase the longevity of your assets. So Sandra, welcome. Thank you. It's nice to be with you again today, Julie. I uh, I was listening to your introduction and you used the word volatility when you were talking about the market and it brought to mind for me sort of the volatility we've seen uh, with with taxes over the last couple of years. You know, COVID has, uh, you know, had an impact on all of our lives, obviously, but in the tax world, we've seen a lot of changes in the last uh, 18 months or so. Yeah, I hear that a lot from our clients who have in the past been very comfortable filing their own taxes. Uh, they were like, yeah, I just used to pull up the form or I'd go on TurboTax and I'd fill it out. And there was really nothing, you know, complex or confusing 
with doing that. And I remember a couple years ago when one of the first tax changes came up uh, since you joined Ellen Becker Investment Group, and you were so excited. You said, it's like I have new playground equipment. (laughs) You know, it was new tax laws because it had been so long before, you know, there had been these major changes. And now I think since that, we've had three or four more major changes. So do you still feel as excited as new playground equipment? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. You, You know I love the tax world. So uh, it's been so interesting, though, the last couple of years. You know, we've had uh, extended seasons, which in my career, that's the first time that the IRS has ever extended the season. We had it uh, both in tax year 2019 and then this last year as well. So that alone has uh, brought some complexity. Um, this year we had uh, up till May 17th to file our taxes. So this is when I always like to give the plug to people who filed an extension. We did not get an extension of the extension. So if you still have taxes to file and you filed uh, that extension, you still have until October 15th to get those taxes done. Yeah, it wasn't really a favor to you to extend the tax season, but it was definitely a favor to tax filers. And maybe it was because there were so many changes you had to keep keep abreast of. Yeah, there was a lot going on last year. And, and uh, you know, we all know about the stimulus packages. You know, we had two of them that got passed in 2020, but in 2021 kind of right in the middle of tax season, we had some things that changed that were even affecting the tax returns that we were working on. So it was it was necessary, I think, from the IRS's standpoint to be able to service the taxpayers and to make sure that everybody had an appropriate amount of time to get their returns done. Good, good. Well, let's start by talking a little bit about 2020 and, you know, give us a review. You filed hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, probably near a thousand <laughs> tax returns. And um, you saw a lot of different a lot of different things, but what are some of the real consistent things you saw take place in 2020? Yeah, it was an unusual year, of course. Um, one of the big things that changed was that we did not have the uh, required minimum distribution rules in uh, 2020. So a lot of people saw less income on their returns. If they had significant withholding on those RMDs and were sort of banking on that, I think that there were people if they if they didn't plan ahead um, that potentially saw large balance dues on their returns um, we had the stimulus of course so in 2020 we all received two rounds of stimulus they changed the rules between both rounds um, and if income varied from either your 2019 or 2018 returns depending on what the IRS looked at when they determined those uh, stimulus payments, you potentially were able to recoup some of that um, in the form of a rebate recovery credit. That was challenging because we all had to remember how much we got You know, so many months ago. Uh, the IRS had an online tool that didn't work as well as it, it should have. And so uh, what we had was uh, a lot of returns that kind of were held up trying to wait to, to determine whether that rebate recovery credit was received or not. But I think at this point, we still have a lot of returns that are kind of waiting for the IRS. As of the uh, early June of this year, the IRS said they still had about 18 million returns in their backlog. Most of those are due to the rebate recovery credit. So they are manually looking at all of the returns if the what was recorded on the tax return doesn't match the IRS records. Uh, So there are lots of people still waiting for their uh, tax refunds. There are also lots of people who are going to be getting notices from the IRS saying that these numbers didn't match. 
um, and they're trying to get that all figured out right now. So that backlog at the IRS, uh, of course, was compounded by the fact that they were um, not open for a period of time during COVID. Uh, so there are amended returns, there are current year returns, there's a lot of things uh, in backlog at the IRS, and that's just making it a little more cumbersome for all of us to get our jobs done. Wow. How would somebody know if they were eligible for that credit um, if they file their own taxes or don't use a planner like yourself? Yeah, that, that would be a little challenging. I think um, it was important to uh, kind of go through the worksheet that the IRS provided. I'm sure some of the uh, software tools had that available. Uh, unfortunately, if you didn't claim the credit and you were eligible for it, um, you're, you're kind of out of luck. So uh, if you think that that might be the case, it might be worth going back and uh, looking to see if potentially you could recoup some of the um, stimulus that you didn't receive in advance. Wow. Yeah, so a lot of changes in 2020, and it didn't seem to slow down since then. You know, you talked about how the season was extended, and it was well past the May 17th date, wasn't it? How, what was the 2020? Was it May 17th May this 17th, year? And then the yes. year before? It was it July was, 15th. That's Okay, yes. so yeah, so that was the second extension yeah. in a row. And then you talked about the stimulus. I know that many of our clients were waiting to the last minute to file on some other changes as well. One of the big ones that happened kind of in the middle of the season was the change to uh, unemployment income and how that was taxed. So traditionally at the federal level, unemployment income is taxable income to you. Um, in many states, it's taxable as well. What happened with the third stimulus package is they uh, sort of looked at uh, the, the tax bill that these unemployed people were gonna get potentially unexpectedly. And so uh, they included up to $10,200 of unemployment income, could be excluded from income if your overall adjusted gross income was under certain levels. Um, and so what ended up happening was many people filed their tax returns before this law was passed in March. So right now, as a matter of fact, the IRS uh, is in the process of going through all of the returns that reported unemployment income and are manually making that change. So there are some people um, who might be listening that may be getting an additional tax refund due to the fact that that unemployment income is no longer taxable. No wonder there's such a backlog, Sandra. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what do you do if somebody has filed their 2020 taxes and either thinks they might have done something wrong now mm -hmm. based on this information or just hasn't received their refund or hasn't received any information back? How would you handle those two situations? Yeah, so the, the waiting for the refund, I'm afraid, is just going to be a matter of being patient at this point. Uh, it's, it's nearly impossible to get through to the IRS um, via phone. So if you think it's an issue with regard to either the unemployment benefit or the rebate recovery credit, my, my best advice at this point would be to be patient. Uh, I would expect within the next, hard to say, three, five, six months that you would probably get some information from the IRS or, or receive the refund. On the flip side of that, if you do think that there was something incorrect in your return, the best remedy for that is to file an amended tax return. You have three years up uh, after the date of filing the return to amend your tax return. If it's a situation, as I said, with the rebate recovery credit, the only way to get that would be to file that amended return. Okay. 
Yeah, it's a, it's a long waiting game, and I know that can be really frustrating for people because if you're a minute late paying your taxes, <laughs> you know, you don't get the same grace exactly. that we have to give the IRS when it comes to getting our refunds back. So. If we are waiting for refunds, um, we will be getting some interest payment from the IRS as well, so that would be generally included with the refund that you receive. That interest will be taxable, too, when you file your 2021 <laughs> tax return. Of course, of course. Um, well, before we take a break, is there anything else in 2020 that uh, is worth mentioning? I think one of the really interesting things that we saw was so many uh, people were working remotely in 2020. So we mm -hmm. did get a lot of questions from people with regard to, you know, can I take a home office deduction or, you know, can I take some some deductions for the additional costs I had for working remotely? And uh, unfortunately, the, the answer is no. Uh, home office deductions were part of the miscellaneous deductions that were eliminated when we had the uh, tax code changes in 2018 from the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. So no um, home office deduction for employees uh, in 2020. One of the other interesting things, though, with remote workers was sort of the residency issues. So many people lived in one state and, and went somewhere else to work, and that created some tax issues with regard to those individual states. So it'll be interesting to see if some of that gets remedied as we move forward, if the remote work situation tends to become more prevalent. Um, I think we'll see some tax code changes on that down the line. Yeah, that'll be interesting to watch because I know I've had a lot of questions about that as well as it relates to uh, relocating, mm -hmm. especially, again, in those January, February, March months. <laughs> right. Like, if I want to work from Bonita Springs then, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll need to understand how that affects our tax situation. Mm -hmm. Good. Well, let's take a quick break, and then when we come back, we can talk a little bit about the 2021 changes. I know uh, talking about that third stimulus is really important because that really came late in the game, early in the year, but late in the tax year. So um, it'll be important for us to kind of understand what, what is all moving in terms of, of that. So we'll be right back. Welcome back to Money Sense. I'm Julie Ellenbecker, president of the Ellenbecker Investment Group. Ellen Becker Investment Group has three locations, our main one being in Pewaukee. Uh, we also have a location in the village of Whitefish Bay, and we're happy to service clients in Bonita Springs, Florida. If you'd like to put a voice with a name, you can check out our webpage at ellenbecker.com. Today, my guest is Sandra Geisler, and she is the director of Ellen Becker Investment Group's tax planning services. So you can check us both out at the same webpage, uh, and you can read a little bit about us. We also will have a recording of this radio show available to you if you would like to share it with somebody else or if you think someone else you know might find it interesting. Today, we're talking about taxes and we're making taxes as exciting as possible. <laughs> uh, Sandra loves taxes and, as I said before the break, has referred to all of these wonderful tax changes that we've experienced in the last few years um, at like having new playground equipment. So um, she is definitely the best one to be talking about this with us today. And what right before the break, we talked about, you know, really digging into kind of that third stimulus. That third stimulus actually sort of slid under the radar for many of us. You know, the first one people paid very close attention to. The second one, again, I think took a long time and there was a lot of conversation around it. And then that third one sort of slipped in. And I know many of the clients I've talked to, 
um, whether they received it or not or if their children did. It was sort of this unknown, like, I don't know why I got this other stimulus payment. So, Sandra, maybe you can talk a little bit about stimulus number three and how that, you know, has really changed our 2021 tax year. The stimulus number three, is it's uh, commonly referred to as the American Rescue Plan, and it was passed early this year, and, and you're right, it, it did kind of come really fast, and it had a lot to it, more so than I think the other two had. Um, we had a change of administration between stimulus number two and stimulus number three, and so there were it was a little more robust in terms of some of the changes that... Uh, that will take place for us in 2021. One of the things that changed was sort of the income limitations and how the stimulus was received. Uh, So the stimulus for the uh, American Rescue Plan was $1,400 per individual with income limitations, of course. Uh, Those income limitations were actually a a little bit reduced from the other two stimulus plans. But it did also include dependents. So dependents who were uh, eligible for the child tax credit or older dependents, such as college students, also received the $1,400. So it was a little bit different from the first two. It will work similar to the first two in that it's considered to be an advance payment of a credit on your 2021 tax return. So if you did not receive the full amount of the credit, Uh, because of potentially a higher income in uh, 2020 or you had some other issues going on, it's possible to recoup that as a credit on the 2021 tax return that gets filed in early 2022. So important to watch for that. Um, If you are not sure how much you received in that stimulus, the IRS does have an online tool Uh, that you can log into via their website and determine the amount of payment that you received. What happens if you received payment and then you find out later that you were ineligible? I know we can recoup uh, from the IRS, if the government, if we didn't get our payment, but what happens if we got too much? There is no clawback provision in the stimulus. So if you receive the money from the IRS, that money is yours to keep. The IRS will not come back for it. Um, We did have a situation with the first stimulus where uh, it went out very quickly, and I think there was a bit of a programming error. And so many deceased people who the IRS knew were deceased received the payment. They did ask for those payments back, but they have since corrected that situation. So I don't expect that that would be the case. People's tax situations change all the time. Um, and so what what may look like your tax situation in 2020 may look radically different in 2021. So um, it's interesting to note if you receive the full amount due to your 2020 situation, but did not do to 2021, there is no clawback provision. Okay. Well, that's good to know. Yeah. Because I know people were concerned, you know, should they spend it? Is it something that they can use or will it be expected to return um, at some point? The idea, of course, with the stimulus is to get money into people's hands. They want to keep the economy going. Um, One of the other ways that they did that through the third stimulus was through um, an increase in the child tax credit. So again, based on your uh, income, Uh, some people will receive an additional amount for their child tax credit. Previously, it had been $2,000. If your income is under certain limits this year, you'll receive $3,000 for those dependents. 
You'll also receive uh, up to $3,600 for children under the age of six. So they're really trying to, to bolster up that tax credit. Another interesting thing that they're doing just for 2021 and just for the second half of the year is they're providing half of that credit in advance. So they're, again, looking at your 2020 tax situation, the dependents that were claimed on that tax return, looking to see if you qualify for the increased amounts, and then they are sending those out on a monthly basis to parents uh, beginning uh, this month. So people will start seeing that now in their checking account. Yes, yes. If the IRS has current banking information from you, you'll see it as a direct deposit. Otherwise, they'll be mailing checks. Wow. So one important thing to note about that is because you're getting the credit in advance when you go to file your tax return, again, in 2022 for 2021, the credit is going to be less than it has been in the past. Um, So that's an important consideration if you are uh, close to potentially having a balance due on your tax return or you're planning on getting a certain amount from your refund, there will be an adjustment made to that credit. So what happens if you understand your tax situation pretty well and you'd rather not receive that child tax credit monthly into your bank account? The IRS does have an opt-out. You can go to the IRS website at irs.gov and uh, search for child tax credit advance payment opt-out and they do give you an opportunity to do that. Uh, I have heard from several people that it's a very cumbersome process. Uh, For security reasons, they want to make sure that you are who you say you are. So uh, it does take a little bit to do the opt-out, but if you would prefer not to receive the advanced payment, you, uh, you can opt out. I believe the first payment is going through now the middle of July. So the cutoff to uh, change that advance payment has already passed for July. But if you opt out now, you can remove that for the rest of the year. If you find that your refund is less or you owe more because of that, would you be subject to penalties and things? Or It's very possible that you could get penalized for that. So it'll be interesting to see if the IRS cuts those people a little bit of slack in terms of the of the penalty. Um, but yeah, it absolutely is possible. Wow. Yeah, that's so hard. All of this information, you know, it's, it's interesting when I talk with our clients and they've been comfortable filing their taxes for so many years because things have been fairly status quo. Mm-hmm. Now what, what you're seeing and what we're seeing in working with our clients is that all of this information, it's like trying to understand it is like trying to take a drink of a water, <laughs> drink a water out of fire hose. And so, you know, the idea of really getting a handle on all this stuff, it's hard to stay, hard to stay on top of it. So your services are, have been really valuable, not only to all of us as advisors, but also to our clients. What other things were changed? You said there was a lot in the stimulus. Yeah, so yeah, what there else? really was. So, um, you know, we didn't talk about it in the last segment when we were talking about 2020, but there was a, an unusual shift last year, and that was allowing us to take a little bit of a charitable deduction, uh, what we refer to as above the line. So traditionally, we have had to itemize deductions in order to get any tax benefit for charitable giving. Last year, again, due to COVID, we had an opportunity to subtract from income up to $300 of any giving that was done to a qualified charitable organization. Um, And that was a really nice benefit. And and of course, the intent was for us to 
uh, support organizations that potentially were affected by COVID or needed some additional funds due to that. This year, we have that same opportunity. As of right now, it ends this year in 2021. But for a couple who files jointly, that $300 has been increased to $600. We've talked about, you know, sort of all the all the changes that we've seen over the last few years. And, and charitable giving seems to be one of those things that, that we're seeing pretty frequent changes to. Um, one of the things that changed with regard to uh, the stimulus packages was that um, up to 100% of AGI, adjusted gross income, was eligible for a charitable deduction. So if you had a very giving heart um, over the last couple of years and wanted to give away all of your income, you were allowed to do that. That was a change from prior years when we were only allowed to do 60%. Yeah. I haven't met anybody yet that's been able to do that, but what a wonderful thing to be able to do. And the first $600 that you give away now kind of comes off the top line, which is a, which is a big benefit. Yes, so. yes. And so um, a couple other things to note, the uh, exclusion of income for unemployment benefits that we had in 2020 does not extend to 2021. So if you continue to receive unemployment benefits this year, you want to be sure to either have tax withheld on that or to be making estimated tax payments or just to understand that that will be income to you as of as of now. Uh, that's what we know about unemployment benefits. I think there's another really interesting uh, sort of, what I think is sort of the origin of things to come in terms of healthcare. Um, we've talked a lot about the Affordable Care Act over the last few years. Again, that's another one of those tax topics that we seem to have very frequent and ongoing changes to. But uh, due to COVID, we had um, a pretty significant change to the Affordable Care Act for 2021 and um, extending into 2022. Prior to uh, this last stimulus package, there was a, there was a bit of a, a cliff with, when it came to the subsidies for the Affordable Care Act. If income went over a certain level, you were not eligible at all for subsidies. The third stimulus package eliminated that that cliff or that requirement. So now, regardless of income, you are eligible for potentially some subsidies. Up to 8.5% of the cost of a silver plan is what you would be required to pay any additional would be uh, subsidized by the government. So I think it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. I think the current administration would like that to become more of the, the permanent law of the land when it comes to the Affordable Care Act, but at least those people who are planning to have that insurance through 2022 um, can sort of count on that. And that's an important consideration because watching income and trying to plan for those potential credits is an important important tax planning piece. It just provides a little bit more flexibility. Absolutely. Now, you really don't find out about how your credits unfolded until you file your taxes, correct? <laughs> so you don't know in advance what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, that really requires some planning for sure. It's um, it's really a, a challenging calculation. It's um, I know that people who are on the Affordable Care Act sort of estimate their income, and based on that estimate, they they pay a monthly uh, amount for their premiums, which may or may not be subsidized. 
when the tax return is filed, there's a bit of a reconciliation that happens where we reconcile that estimated income to actual income. And unfortunately, sometimes if the income goes too high um, over that those federal poverty levels, um, we get a little bit of a surprise in that we pay back a lot of the premium credits. Wow. That's, yeah, that's hard to keep track of. Mm -hmm. So anything else before we take a break with the stimulus number three that came through? Uh, There's been some changes to the earned income credit. In the past, there has not been much of an opportunity to claim that without children. So if you don't have children and you're in those uh, lower income ranges, uh, potentially you'll see some additional earned income tax credit this year. Um, And also just wanted to uh, remind people that student loan forbearance is still in effect as of right now. So I think it's been about uh, 16 or 17 months um, that no student loans, um, at least the ones through the federal government, have been accruing interest. As of right now, um, that's the case through the end of August. So I hope everybody who's not been making a payment has been saving up so that they can make a nice big payment at the end of August um, and save some of that student loan interest. It'll be interesting to see if that gets extended um, uh, between now and then. But as of right now, um, that will start up again as of September 1st. Good. All right. Anything else before we take a break, Sandra? I think I think that's enough. That is certainly <laughs> enough as we talk about just one uh, stimulus program and all of the changes that came down. So, all right, let's take a break. And when we get back, we can talk about 2022 and what kind of planning we can be doing this year to affect some change down the road. So with that, we'll be right back. Welcome back to Money Sense. I'm Julie Ellenbecker, president of the Ellenbecker Investment Group. And my guest today is Sandra Geisler. And Sandra is the director of our tax planning services at Ellenbecker Investment Group. So they do a lot of preparation at tax time and then spend the rest of the year planning. And one of the things that, you know, our clients have become very familiar with is the importance of tax planning throughout the year to affect change. It's just not good enough to wait until it's time to file your taxes to think about tax planning. And so we spend this time of year when it's not tax preparation season, we spend a lot of time with our clients planning and making sure that we're thinking ahead as much as possible. The first two segments of this show so far today were about thinking behind us and looking Mm -hmm. back at what happened in 2020 and then the 2021 changes. But Sandra, I'd like you to spend a few minutes talking about some of the expected changes for 2022. Now is your crystal ball time. Oh, this is the fun stuff. So, uh, you know, we've talked a lot about the stimulus packages. One, two, three. Um, That's a lot of money the federal government has been spending. And so I know many of us are trying to figure out um, how how are we going to pay for all of that? So, Uh, I think one of the things that we're going to see as sort of an overall theme going forward into 2022 is um, maybe some increases in how we're going to generate some revenue at the federal government level. Um, And the president has introduced a bill that he refers to as the American Families Plan. I wrote about it a little bit in our newsletter this quarter. Um, And it's really uh, tied to um, increasing some of the tax rates at uh, what we would consider to be higher income people. So I think it'll be interesting to see. I think that will be uh, debated over the next several months. 
And uh, we're obviously going to keep a really close eye on that for uh, for our clients. Um, but I think it's going to be really interesting to see how this all plays out. For example, one of the things that um, the president has proposed is to increase the top uh, marginal income tax rate, which is currently 37% to 39.6%. That was the top rate before we had the reduction in the overall rates in 2018. And so that would be for people over roughly four or $500,000 of income would be paying uh, that additional rate. Another thing that is uh, being floated around um, is potentially having the long-term capital gain rate for very high-income taxpayers to be uh, eliminated, basically. Currently, there's a preferred tax rate for capital gains, which is either 15% or, for some people, 20%. Um, The president has proposed that if you have adjusted gross income over a million dollars, that your capital gains should be taxed as ordinary income. Uh, so then uh, that would be uh, that 39.6% rate. Um, it's ultra, also interesting that we have an additional 3.8% net uh, investment tax uh, that they would be uh, required to pay as well. So that would put that top rate for capital gains at 43.4%. That would generate a, a pretty significant amount of revenue for the federal government. So we'll see how that goes. And of course, um, as I said, we'll continue to watch that as well. A um, couple of the other things that the president um, has talked about with regard to the American Families Plan or to try to pay for some of the other federal programs um, is the elimination of a couple of things that we have uh, uh, come to know and enjoy in the tax world. One of those is potentially the step-up basis. Uh, When someone passes away, their heirs receive a step-up on the basis of the assets that they inherit. Um, So the president has uh, floated potentially Uh, eliminating the step-up basis, uh, maybe for everyone, maybe for people at a certain income level. Um, And so as we do estate planning with our clients, this is something that we're watching pretty carefully as well. Yeah, I know that we do talk quite a bit about that when we do planning. And the challenge, of course, that you're faced with every day is we just don't know what's going to happen. And depending on what you read, who's written it, um, you know, the information out there is really difficult to decipher. And so, you know, we get questions about it. People forward me articles all the time. And, you know, our biggest challenge is just trying to see what what is really on the docket and then how that would impact our clients. But it certainly is, you know, a year for us to anticipate changes and it becomes really important to look at planning and what can we do to mitigate those changes. You know, and I think maybe it's time for us to talk a little bit about planning strategies. (laughs) I tell our clients all the time, you know, a down market is not necessarily a bad market. And we saw that, you know, when we went through the major COVID-related correction and that there were a lot of things that we were able to do for our clients to put them in a much better tax situation for that year. Things like selling securities and locking in some realized losses, doing some Roth conversions, um, potentially making sure that we invest more during those times, doing some rebalancing. You know, the volatility is really an opportunity for us as investors to see how our plan works and then also to make some changes so that we can uh, take advantage of some of the opportunities. And and ultimately, our goal is to increase the longevity of your assets. And and we want to make sure that our clients, you know, have enough money to sustain their life 
as long as however long that might be and this planning really has a big impact on that so talk a little bit about some planning strategies that we can take advantage of this year and some things to think about you know as the market right now has continued to grow this year and maybe we'll have some more volatility and some opportunity before year end i think uh as we discussed if you're in those higher income um areas uh, this is definitely a year that we, we would follow the traditional tax advice, which is to to escalate income into this year um, and uh, try to get those taxed at the current rates. The increases that we're seeing, we don't know exactly when those potentially might take effect. Uh, historically, tax increases like that have not been done retroactively, but there certainly is precedence for that. So it could be, you know, there's a random date picked and that's the date that before that realized gains are taxed at the capital gain rates. After it, they're taxed at ordinary income tax rates. And as we've discussed, there's a pretty significant difference between those two. So I think watching that and uh, making sure that you're planning for that is going to be an important consideration. Um, we always try to, you know, watch the market and see if there's things that we can do, um, you know, as you said, in periods where, where the market is a little bit lower. Um, I think Roth conversions are a huge benefit at this time. We're, we're seeing many, many clients take advantage of that. I tend to see tax rates looking to probably increase over the next few years, and potentially these could be historically low rates we're in right now. The uh, 22 and 24 percent tax brackets are really quite wide at this point, and so um, if people have opportunities to convert in in, in those brackets, so at that 22, um, 24, if they can convert at 12, uh, that's kind of a no-brainer for us. So um, certainly, you know, talk to your you know tax professionals and see if a Roth conversion is something to take advantage of this year. Well, we know that having Roth funds in retirement gives us a lot more options on meeting our goals. And so, you know, we've had many shows before, radio shows and articles and topics of conversation on diversification. And, you know, diversification extends to how assets are going to be taxed. So when we work with our clients, we look at taxable versus tax-deferred versus tax-free. And many people retire with the majority of their assets in tax-deferred, which is 401ks, IRAs, and things like that. Well, if all of your assets are tax-deferred, that means that you've deferred your taxes until you spend them, which means in retirement, every dollar you take out of a retirement account is going to be taxed as ordinary income and ultimately can push you into a higher bracket if you have years where you want to take out additional funds. And so we really encourage our clients every single year to make sure that we're not missing any opportunities. And and that happens if you're not really doing some good tax strategizing and planning. So as it relates to opportunities, I think talking to your advisor about the difference between taxable and tax-free and tax-deferred money really makes sense because it gives us a lot of a lot of opportunities and a lot of choices in retirement when it comes to taking your income. Um, what about savings, Sandra? You know, we talked about were there adjustments in Roth contributions and 401k allowable amounts this year, or did that stay pretty static? That was pretty static this year. Um, but this is a, a good time to talk about that. You know, we're sort of mid-year. 
do a little check on what you're doing with regard to your 401k contributions right now and see if you can't um, adjust those a little bit, increase them a little bit. Um, this is a great time of year to take a look at your withholding. Um, we talked about the advanced child tax credit and the impact that that could potentially have um, on your tax situation this year. It's a good time just to do sort of that mid-year tax checkup. Um, and take a look, see if you can't project out for the rest of the year and make sure that you're going to be in a good tax situation when you file in 2022. Yeah, and if it makes sense to contribute to a 529 plan, there's tax benefits to doing that as well as, you know, making sure that when you do contributions to, to qualify charities that you know you're going to get that benefit of up to $600. So if you haven't given to a wonderful charity, uh, be sure to do that this year as well because those are all little things that will make a bigger difference in, in the end. Absolutely, absolutely. I love to, uh, you know, kind of just take a pause this time of year and just make sure that all of those things are lined up. Um, it's a lot easier to adjust withholding or to increase those contributions and, and make an impactful difference if we do it in July rather than doing it in December. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for being on the radio show today. It's always fun. We get to talk, like I said, in client meetings all the time. But every time I listen to you, I, I learn something new. So, uh, And I'm sure our listeners feel the same. If you would like to learn more about Sandra or myself or our other advisors here at Ellen Becker Investment Group, you know, feel free to check out our webpage at ellenbecker.com. Sandra writes a newsletter article every quarter, and those are all online as well and has provided many podcasts and radio shows uh, that you should be able to find at our webpage. Um, and if you want to talk to Sandra or you want to talk to myself or somebody else here about your personal financial situation or tax situation, you can give us a call or access us through the webpage as well. As a reminder, Money Sense airs on Saturdays from 2 to 3 p.m. and on Sundays from 12 to 1 p.m. If you like today's show and want to know more, please visit our webpage or give us a call at 262-691-3200. If there's somebody else that you think might like to listen to the show as well, feel free to pass our information along. And as always, I hope that I've made a difference in your personal and financial well-being. And remember, before we plan, before we advise, before we invest, we always listen. Have a great day.